You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am one of your hosts tonight, Austin. And of course, we have the infamous Michael here. Why am I infamous? I don't know. People like you. They like me? Yeah. Infamous is like... That's not necessarily a like. It's a good infamous. Okay. Tonight, we are going to be discussing psychic vampires. Ooh. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. What? There's a lot of, like, misinformation out there well, about this, psychic vampires. There really is. There really is. And this topic is one that you actually suggested a while ago. And I kind of was like, nah, I don't want to talk about that on the podcast because that's, like, science fiction and fantasy bullshit. But... We do understand that within the alternative spiritual community, that there are uh, practitioners and people who would identify either through their practice or just by who they are as an individual who would identify as psychic vampires. Well, yes. And on top of that, <clears throat> there are real psychic or emotional vampires mm-hmm. that oh, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are, are very familiar with someone who would be qualifying as a psychic or emotional vampire. Yes. <coughs> um, so, so sorry. You're good. So let's talk a little bit about, first, first I want to talk about what they aren't. Okay, um, and again, going back to what I just said a moment ago, like, okay, those of you who are listening to this episode, we are not talking about, like, Anne Rice, Twilight, what are other, some other, Dracula, we're not talking about these things, okay, if that is your understanding of what a vampire is. what about what we do is, in the shadows? Well, I mean, I think what we do in the shadows, what we do in the shadows clearly has to count. And if anybody listening to this podcast has not seen what we do in the shadows, either the movie or the series, I I really, I want to ask you to watch these things because they are hilarious and and inappropriate. Yes. And actually the series is kind of funny because it does feature a psychic vampire. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they didn't call him a psychic vampire. They call him an energy vampire. Yes. He's an energy vampire. Yes, that's right. Um, But even he in that show, because it is, it is, you know, it is fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Even he in that show is actually... um, his abilities and, and, you know, who he is as an energy vampire is um, a little out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about this. Okay. So psychic vampires, the first thing I want to make clear, because a lot of people hear about things like vampirism, psychic vampirism, these kinds of things, and they immediately go to a dark place. And so the first thing I want to say is psychic vampires are not evil. Okay. Um, and they, again, as we've mentioned already, they should in no way be confused with vampires that we see in pop culture and fiction. Okay. Yeah. This is not sci-fi fantasy. This is, uh, just a, a quirk of nature in certain people. Yes. Okay. Um, I also want to say to people, maybe who listen to this, who might think that they could be uh, a psychic vampire, um, that there should be no shame in this. You, you should, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you do have a responsibility to learn about how to use your your particular energetic abilities in the right way, but uh, but, yeah, but you should feel no shame. Um, psychic vampires are not inhuman. They are mortal and corporeal. They are they are very human. Um, and they need the other things that we all as humans that we need. They need food, they need water, they they Sleep. love. Sleep, they need sunlight, you know, got to make all that vitamin D, right? Um, yeah, so anyway, so I wanted to get some of that out there. So, so Austin, what what are psychic vampires? How would you explain that to our listeners? Psychic vampires, 
Psychic vampires are individuals who have... Their, their energy doesn't turn outwards. It doesn't go outwards. It turns <clears throat> inwards. Um, I believe that a psychic vampire is also someone who could potentially... Um, maybe on some level need more energy from external sources than others. Okay. All right. So, so as you were saying, okay, so let's elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. So psychic vampires, if we look at not necessarily what they do or, or who they are, but kind of like on an energetic level, how they work, mm -hmm. right? We, we kind of understand that, they have, much like all of us, right? We all have an energetic body, right? We all have an energetic field, right? You can call it the aura, whatever you want to call it, right? But we all have these emanations of energy around us. Yes. Right? Um, and, at, you know, at, at, so do psychic vampires. But the, the psychic, the energy, the or energetic body of a psychic vampire would seem to kind of spiral in or it would almost work, I think, a bit more kind of like a vortex that would move or pull things inward, rather than what we see more commonly with an energetic body that would do kind of this, like like an equal, ideally, an equal exchange of in and out mm -hmm. kind of emanation, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's, that's really kind of the essence of what really makes these people uh, vampiric in nature. <clears throat> so... Um, they're, and they're, they are, they're constantly pulling energy, even, even when they're sleeping, like mm -hmm. even when they're not, you know, not, not fully conscious, they're, they're always pulling energy. Um, what, what makes a psychic vampire, Austin? There are different schools of thoughts on this. Sometimes you're just born one. Sometimes your energy just turns inwards. Other times it could be due to severe traumas that you've endured. Okay. Um, there, in that realm of trauma, there could be something like, um, like maybe even a traumatic event in a past life that okay. for some reason you carry over into this life and therefore creates almost like an energetic leak in your aura. Okay. So you're constantly like your life force is just not, you're not able to hold on to it as much. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so looking at this life, because yes, because absolutely I agree with you. Like, so if they were, the the a victim of some sort of trauma in a prior incarnation that would kind of set them up to be born yes with this in this lifetime right what what about because you mentioned that one of the other things that can sometimes create a psychic vampire kind of situation for someone is uh trauma mm -hmm. so looking at maybe things that they may experience in their current lifetime yes. like what what is it about trauma specifically we're going through like, and when we, and when we say trauma, we're not talking like, oh, you had a bad day. We're talking like serious, severe, severe trauma, um, of an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, spiritual nature. Okay. We're talking serious stuff. Okay. Something that would completely rewire your energetic body mm -hmm. in essence. So what, um, how, how would, how would trauma go about doing that? Well, you said it. It rewires your energetic body. So it puts you into certain states of mind, you know, fight or flight. Okay. Um, on top of that, when we're looking at uh, trauma as it sits in the energy field, the, the energetic field of energy, the aura, um, mm -hmm. it, it can almost like create a scar or like a hemorrhaging wound. Okay. Um, that no matter how much you go to 
an energy healer just doesn't want to seal up because you haven't actually done the work on a mundane level to do that. Okay. To heal that. Yeah. All right. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. So, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about psychic vampirism and ethics. You okay. know, ethics is always a hot topic in the alternative spiritual community, which I think is unfortunate, uh, but also at the same time a good thing. It's, yes. it's very weird for me, that kind of situation when it comes to our community, because on the one hand, there's a part of me that's like, we need to discuss these things, because if we stop talking about this stuff, that's when you start to allow people into a community or people start to kind of slip and start to maybe do things they shouldn't, mm. right? I, I think it's just fair to say that most of us behave a little bit better if we think somebody might be watching, yes. right? So, but this is also a complication for me because I don't see, like, the Abrahamic faith community, like Christianity, like, the established religions of the world. I don't really see them having these same kinds of discussions around ethics, and I guess where I say that's a problem for me is I'm kind of like, why not? Like, you of all spiritualities, as Christians, Catholics, uh, Jewish people, uh, uh, Muslims, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, the faith may be, you know, like, like you of all people, like your particular spirituality, you should be discussing ethics. Um, and I'm not talking like old school, like eye for an eye, like Old Testament kind of ethics. I'm talking like practical how we live in the world today kind of ethics, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't really see that happening a lot in those communities. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it's just, it's kind of an odd thing. That's a personal, that's a mic issue. But um, so, but let's talk a little bit about um, this. What, what are the ethical responsibilities for someone that would find themselves for whatever reason, you know, like they're, they're a psychic vampire? Well, the first step is admitting it. Um, it was, it was actually really interesting because in Psychic Vampire, it's an umbrella. You have different things. You know, you have someone who leeches off emotions okay. um, and stuff like that. So you have emotional vampires. Mm -hmm. And I actually um, had an interaction with a customer the other day where they came in and they were very open. They were like, I'm an emotional vampire. People claim that I'm an empath, but I'm not because it's not like I'm absorbing all the happy shit. Oh. I'm just absorbing all the negative nasty stuff. That's so refreshing to hear somebody be honest about that because I do actually want to talk a little bit about that dynamic. Like, we'll, we'll wait, we'll, we'll get there a little bit later. But um, they were like, and I don't know what to do and I don't know the ethics, so I just distance myself. And I was like, well, hmm. you don't need to do that. What you need to do is you need to, you need to be aware of it. Once you're aware of it, most of the time you're going to be able to at least know when you're doing it. And... You can know when you're doing it simply by sitting for a minute, keying into your energy, and just being like, okay, what's happening here? Um, when it comes to ethics as a, as a psychic vampire, someone who is like, okay, this is what I am, I'm going to own up to it and accept it, you need to first focus on the ambient energy, okay? Because if you're just taking ambient energy from noisy cafes and stuff like that, Okay, cool. But if you're going to actually get what's called the donor. Um, okay. So we're talking like someone who is willingly allowing yes. you to. Okay. All right. Who is someone who is willingly allowing you to um, drain mm -hmm. parts of their energy. Mm -hmm. um, then there's a, even there's particular rituals around that, that that you do. And it's it's very much a are you okay with this? 
And it's a constant thing. And the relationship between a donor and a psychic vampire is actually, I don't want to say intimate in like, oh, intimacy, but like intimate, mm -hmm. like it's, like, this is a trusted friend. This, okay. This yeah. is someone who sits down with you on maybe like a weekly basis mm -hmm. and you, the, the psychic vampire will latch into their energy mm -hmm. and just kind of pull. Okay. Um, and they never take more than they need to. Mm -hmm. If the donor says, stop, I'm not feeling good, then they have to stop. There are rules. Okay. All right. So this is another situation where we would say, like, consent is sexy. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. So, okay. So based on what you're saying, so they, so people who would find themselves or people who, for what, you know, under, under whatever circumstance discover that they are psychic vampires, they have a, a responsibility to really, to kind of learn, like, some energetic work. Yes. Right? Like how energy flows... Um, you know, they need to learn some things around, uh, say like the energetic body. Yes. These kinds of metaphysical kind of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, all right. What, what about say like some of the practices and exercises that we often talk about so much? So say for someone with an energy that functions in this way, that kind of works a little bit in reverse, are they going to get the same benefit out of things like grounding and shielding? Yes, most definitely. Not necessarily shielding. Um, though it is important for them because by shielding themselves, mm -hmm. um, they're not really shielding them. They're shielding other people from them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. um, it's, it's basically, I guess, psychic deodorant. Psychic deodorant? Yeah. <laughs> we, well, we, we talk a lot about, we use the phrase psychic hygiene quite a bit, and I guess that would be part of it. And so, yeah. but like, yeah, it, grounding would work for them. A lot of them find it really, really difficult because... Mm -hmm. Essentially what you're doing when you're grounding is you're opening up a tap to drain stagnant energy and then refresh. Okay. And because of the psychic vampire's innate sense of pull, mm -hmm. allowing themselves to let go of that energy mm -hmm. can be tough. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. So, okay. What, what are some of the things that we can see happening in situations where a psychic vampire doesn't learn some of these like better ways of being or ethics, what are some things that can happen? The individuals they choose to surround themselves with um, will have health issues. Okay. Um, this is going to be the person who you're, you know, for a long time you enjoy hanging out with them. And then you notice after once or twice you're like oh my god i'm so tired after hanging out with this person and then it becomes a dread so effectively what's happening is while you're allowing this other entity this other energy this person mm -hmm. to feed off of you and they're unaware of doing it they're going to feel great you're going to feel worse and so it's again for us who are not psychic vampires we need to keep a good ground because okay. then they can probably tap in and feed on you and all they're going to get is just fresh energy. Okay. Um, you might feel a little bit tired or shielding. You know, if you're learning to shield or block that energy, mm -hmm. then they're going to feel it. They're going to feel a disconnect. They're going to feel a, why are, yeah, they're what's not, wrong? They're not getting their draw from What's you. wrong? Yeah. You know, why, are, are we okay? Yeah. And it's, yeah, no, we're fine. I just don't want you yeah, taking like, my energy. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I need this for yeah, me. Yeah, like I'm turning off the tap. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so, okay, so that that can be, th those are things that can happen to the people that's, that find that they are dealing with a psychic vampire. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've known a few people over the years who, who identified as psychic vampires. Um, and I've also noticed that over time, if they don't learn how to properly 
like use that component of their that their those abilities, I noticed that they also end up having some pretty serious health yes. problems. Yes. Um, a really good example. Um, I'm going to use. Um, we're, we're probably going to talk about this this individual a lot. Uh, Michelle Belanger. Okay. Uh, it would have been really cool if we could have had Michelle Belanger on here, but short notice. Um, Michelle Belanger is an occult author. Mm-hmm. Michelle Belanger is also a self-identified psychic vampire. Yes. Um, they wrote the Psychic Vampire Codex, mm-hmm. the Energy Codex, all this stuff. Energy Work Codex. They, they, they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were actually featured in a documentary years ago, I think in the like early 2000s, maybe late 90s, where um, it was about vampirism in the real world. Okay. And, you know, there are still people out there who feel that they need to drink blood and it's like it's an iron deficiency you know or it's this type of disease but then they went over into like the realm of the psychic and um michelle balanger as they were going through i think their undergrad their first undergrad mm-hmm. um they were having lots of health issues heart problems sickness no matter what they did they could never feel well and so once they started looking into stuff you know they couldn't keep watches on them because they drained the watch Okay. You know, yeah. uh, electronics malfunctioning around them all the time. Um, they couldn't go into hugely crowded areas because they'd get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, once they figured out what was going on and started researching and found found someone to help them, they got better. They started developing like, oh, when I'm feeling this flare-up, it means that I need, I need to feed. I need energy. Mm-hmm. And so they actually did... Um, What's it called? Krillian? Krillian photography? Yeah, Krillian photography. Where yeah. they showed Michelle in a... The document, documentary showed Michelle in a resting state. Okay. As in, so they were taking pictures of their hands. Yeah. And you could see these little tendrils coming off, but it wasn't that bright. Right? It was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, dim. Yeah. And then as soon as she started activating and feeding, mm-hmm. the aura got bigger but almost turned into tendrils. Okay. Yeah. And after she had fed off of her donor, mm-hmm. um, they, after they fed off their donors, sorry if you listen to the Michelle, um, after they fed off their donor, the aura mm-hmm. was like brighter. It was full. It was healthy looking. Whilst the donors was a little bit more dim. And you could see okay. little kind of holes where the tendrils had kind of latched gotcha. in. Okay. And then after that, it was the donor and the... And, and Michelle's responsibility to seal those holes up. Okay. Yeah. And so there was actual, like, photo evidence of yeah. this happening. Yeah. I, lo- I love to see when, when uh, well, and I, I guess, if we're, I mean, if we're being completely honest, you know, Carillion photography is still kind of seen as a pseudoscience, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but it is nice to kind of see every once in a while how technology can mm-hmm. be used in some capacity to kind of validate yeah. some of these things. Well, and yeah. if you're familiar with Michelle Belanger, if you've, you guys haven't seen this, do yourself a favor and watch it if you can. Portals to Hell with Jack Osborne mm, yes. and Kat, Katrina... Weissman? Weed, Weedman? Katrina whatever yeah. um, from oh, Paranormal State. I'm pretty sure it's Weedman. And yeah. they call in Michelle on cases. And Michelle calls herself not a, not a psychic medium, though that's what Michelle is. Michelle is sensitive enough due to the psychic vampiric abilities that she's a psychic bloodhound. Yeah. And... These 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 people who are psychic vampires have amazing psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. They just turn inwards, and once they learn how to use them, wow. Okay, yeah. All right. So we, of course, 
on this podcast, we always want to focus on, well, we don't always want to, but we, we usually do. We, we focus on primarily, you know, the witchcraft, the folk practice, these kinds of things, you know? And so kind of switching back into kind of more of that realm of discussion here. Okay. So there are magical uses for psychic vampires. Oh, yes. Right. Um, though, and I think you and I were having this discussion, I think earlier today in anticipation of this episode tonight, but because of the kind of, again, I want to say like the, the slightly different way that uh, vampires would find that their personal energy functions, mm -hmm. that in the process of working magic, they do have to kind of change things up a bit. Yes. You know, it's my understanding, and let me know if this is wrong, okay, but it is my understanding that um, most psychic vampires are going to struggle a little bit more with raising and projecting energy outward. Yeah. We, yeah, we, yes. Well, I mean, let me clarify. So we talk a lot as, as witches and magical practitioners about raising energy to yeah. fuel our workings, right? Actually, you know, and doing that and then having, you know, the right combination of things behind us, you know, within us to be able to actually then kind of project kind of like what we've, what we've accumulated in the realm of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Toward our goal, right? Whatever that would be. Where vampires are going to raise energy but i would assume that the majority of the energy that, that a psychic vampire would probably raise would actually it would be difficult for them perhaps to be able to project that as effectively outward if they're untrained yes okay yeah if this if this psychic vampire is someone who doesn't even know they're a psychic vampire mm -hmm. and they're practicing witchcraft and they're trying to raise a whole lot of energy mm -hmm. these are the individuals who will be like i sat and i chanted and danced for hours mm -hmm. and i was like, I felt great afterwards, but I haven't seen the result of my spell. It's because they raise that energy and... And immediately, yeah, took, and that, ate it. took that in. Yeah. You know, and okay. there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to learn how to effectively utilize this energy. Uh, psychic vampires make really awesome channels. If, particularly yeah. if they've fed recently and they're mm -hmm. full, mm -hmm. they're not going to take more in. Because on the, on, on the flip side, if a psychic vampire takes in too much energy... Mm -hmm they'll burn out they get okay. sick yeah they get too much heat okay in them yeah so would you say it would be better for someone who was you know for a psychic vampire who also wanted to be a magical practitioner of whatever kind would it be better for them rather than focusing on projecting something externally to manifest whatever it is that it would be maybe better for them to work it like i'm pulling this to me I'm yes. drawing this in. Mm -hmm. Well, on, and on, yes, and on a folkloric level, when we look at, like, the archetype or the myth of the vampire, you know, vampires are alluring. They're alluring. Um, they have this ability to lure their prey into them. Uh, well... Depending yes. on the depending on the vampire. Okay, I, I was gonna say yeah. I mean, I mean, no, really, no. I would say really with some of that again, you're really you're kind of looking at when we get into the realm of like you know folklore, mm -hmm. you know, and there's as we know, there's often a grain of truth in that, right? Um, more often than not, actually. Uh, but but again, I think we kind of we get to this, you know, we get we run into these things once again where we see like pop culture and fiction kind of yes. kick in, right? Where you're like, oh, like the vampire is able to hypnotize you with his eyes, or you know, ridiculous nonsense like this, right? And you know, and yeah, you know, if you're reading, you know you know, fiction, then absolutely, yeah, vampires can do that. But um, but these people, to be honest, people who, you know, psychic vampires in a real world sense, like these people, they're really at a glance and, 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 and interacting with them here and there. They're really, they're no different than anybody else. You know, they don't look different. 
You know, they don't really, most of the time, they don't behave any differently. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, or if they did, it's going to be because of the same shit that would make anybody behave mm-hmm. differently, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and, and when a psychic vampire is trained as well, they make very potent healers. Well, yeah, but but again, that would be healing that would have to take place kind of in more of a parasitic kind yep. of a nature, wouldn't it? Yeah, parasitic or necromantic, yeah. Yeah, so it's like when we do, uh, in our coven tradition, we do the sun-moon healing. Mm-hmm. And we have the influence of the moon, which draws or pulls things. Yeah. Yeah, okay, all right, okay, okay, so, okay. All right, we we started to go here earlier, and, you know, and I kind of kind of made you detour a little bit, but I do want to talk about what we see, like, this dynamic that we see now between or with empaths, okay, people who think they're empaths, mm-hmm. and people that would be psychic or emotional vampires, okay? And I want to say, first of all, and those of you who've listened to the podcast have heard us say this again and again and again, you are not an empath, okay? At least in the, in not in the sense that you think you are. Everyone that has the capacity to relate to emotion is an empath. Empathy is a human thing and we all have it. Yes. Okay, where I think a lot of people get confused is when we talk not about empathy, but we talk about intuitive empathy, mm-hmm. which is something a little bit different and it actually is something that is a little more rare I think than a lot of people maybe would like it to be or think it is. You know, everybody out there is like, I'm an empath, I'm an empath. And it's like, you can't be because if you were that empathic, you would know right now that I want you to get the fuck out of my face. Yes. You know, and you would leave and you don't. You're still here bothering me. Oh, sorry. Noisy traffic outside, everybody. Sorry about that. All right. So, um, so would you say, Austin, like, like with the number of people that you've encountered in recent years, because this does seem to be like a fairly new kind of trending thing, you know, not like too new, but like at least for maybe like the last 10 years or so, it seems like there's been this, this, a lot of people like, well, I'm an empath of the people that you've interacted with who have been claiming that how many of them would you say are actually psychic vampires? Oh, a good 90% of more. Okay. Um, and it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, you can tell because if they're an empath... Okay, I want to clarify. This is not to say that 90% of people out there who claim to be empaths are psychic vampires. We we tend, because of the nature of the work that we do, we tend to get a lot of uh, confused people. We tend to get a lot of people that are somewhat lost in their spiritual path and in their own personal identity. You know, And so we, we get a lot of the... the not so happy kinds of situations with people. So it would make sense to me that, yes, that that statistic for you yes. with 90% would make sense because people come and see us when things are not necessarily going right. Well, people come and see us when things aren't necessarily going right. But the reason I say 90% is because, one, I don't have a stigma against psychic vampires. Do I want them draining my energy? No. I will block them. Okay. You know? Well, I understand that, but I also but, I want to make it clear to our listeners that, that psychic vampires are also really not as common. Exactly. Well, so here's the thing. How can you tell if you're a psychic vampire, not an intuitive empath? Do you only absorb the negative, crappy stuff? Yes? Okay. Then you're probably a vamp. Because the easiest energy to absorb is the negative, crappy stuff. Okay. It's there. It's free-falling. It's primal. You know... Happy, content energy isn't necessarily primal. It's not something that a lot of us can look at and go, oh, that's content. Because when I'm content, I don't look necessarily happy. 
I probably look asleep. You yeah. know? Resting content face. Yes. Okay. And so um, an intuitive empath is someone who not only feels the bad, but also the good, the neutral, mm -hmm. everything else. And they take it into themselves and then have the ability to project it outwards to affect mm -hmm. the immediate environment around them. Yeah. A true intuitive empath can walk into a space and go, ooh, there was not just an argument in here, but there's still tension flying around from three days ago. I'm going to send my little antenna up and kind of send out like happy chill vibes and they'll affect the environment around them and yeah. thus affecting the people in it. Okay. A psychic vampire is going to walk in, feel that, and latch onto it and usually will pull those things up to the surface and create more of an issue. Okay. Okay. In the process of trying to feed? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Whether if that's conscious or subconscious. Yeah, I was say, if they're not trained, right? Would you Would you say it would be fair? I, and I think, I well, I'm asking you this, but of course, you and I, we both already know the answer to this. But for our listeners, um, would you say it would be fair that the, probably the majority of people out there who are psychic vampires are not consciously aware of it? Oh yeah, most definitely. Right. The, 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 the fact that I had that one person come in this week and they like, yeah, I'm an emotional vampire. I was like, yeah, that is kind like, of like, it like floored me. Yeah, I was like, have someone admit that. Oh yeah, my God. They're like, you know, people call me an empath, but I'm not cause I only absorb and process the negative crap. Yeah. I wish I could absorb and process the, the happy stuff so that I could feel that. But no, mm -hmm. I just get, I get the shit in the stick. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I talked to them a little bit, but, but yes. Okay, all right. So I think it's good. It bears repeating, and again, kind of just to paraphrase some of what you said. So empaths, intuitive, truly intuitive empaths, have a similar thing to psychic vampires in that they can pick up on the energy of emotion. They can pick up on these things around them. Yes. But they... Well, not just emotion, but yeah. Well, yeah, just, just you know, just various kinds of energies, right? Um, they can pick up on these things. Not only do they do they receive, but they also have the ability to transmit. Yes. They can broadcast where you're not really going to see that with a psychic vampire, right? Because they just right. usually turn inward, right? They yes. pull, right? Well, they'll, trans um, they'll transmute <clears throat> it, but okay. for themselves. Well, well, well yeah, well, not, not transmute, transmit. Yes. Okay, where they can they can send as well. Intuitive impulse can can send as well. Yes. Where you're not as inclined to see a vampire doing that. Correct. Right, because that's energy they want for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, um, but um, we also see, uh, I think, intuitive impacts. Um, they don't really. They like they don't. Intuitive impacts don't devour the energy that they connect with. Like they mirror it. Correct. Yeah. Within themselves, you yeah. know, like like they they entrain mm -hmm. to what they encounter, right? Um, but they don't actually devour that. They won't take that energy in. No. Um, and as you just mentioned, usually, yeah, psychic vampires, um, when they draw that energy in, um, even if they're they're pulling or drawing on what we would consider negative energy, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it stays negative for them, because they do have kind of this natural ability to kind of turn digest it yeah that negative stuff into what they need yep right to be able to to function and be yeah. perfectly happy and healthy people right uh -huh. yeah okay all right <clears throat> so yeah so pay attention to that if you got y'all all y'all out there who think you're empaths or intuitive empaths pay attention to how you you see that energetic dynamic working for you because ooh, you, you you might have something different going on um 
Well, all right. Is there anything else that you would like to, to, to share or educate people on where, where psychic vampires in particular are concerned, Austin? I ask you because I know that in years past you had some, uh, you've had more direct personal experience mm -hmm. with this. You, you've read, as you mentioned a moment ago, you've read uh, some of Michel Belanger's work. Mm -hmm. uh, I've interacted with Michel Belanger. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit more. So, psychic vampires we've already discussed this at length, right? They're not bad, but even the most abundant, abundantly energized person can have vampiric tendencies, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and we see this with people who are struggling just with health in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I, and I'm no way trying to sound ageist. But teenagers and elderly. Okay. Teenagers have explosive bouts of energy and then energy after that that just turns inwards. Mm -hmm. Elderly individuals, because their lack of energy, their lack mm -hmm. of life force, their dwindling life force. Okay. Some, some elderly. Some elderly. elderly. Like as they get closer to the end of their life or okay. they start to develop health issues, mm -hmm. um, they tend to just naturally start to suck energy out of a room. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's their that's their energetic body trying to heal themselves. You know, the energetic body doesn't go, oh, this is bad energy or this is good energy. It goes, this is energy, I'm taking it in. And then we, on a physical level, go, oh, well, it's bad. Yeah. Well, that's not good for me. You know, and then that can end up causing issues. Um, so... So even if you're feeling like, oh, after this podcast, like I'm a psychic vampire, like really be honest with yourself. Are you just going through a hard time? You know, people who have mm -hmm. mental illness aren't innately a psychic vampire, but if they are in, uh, example, if I'm in a manic state mm -hmm. because of my depression, I have manic depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I drain everyone around me. I get exhausting to be around. I exhaust myself, you know, and, and then other individuals who uh, suffer from chronic depression or anxiety can also have that same feel. Okay. All right. And there's nothing wrong with it, but being able to speak honestly with that person, particularly if they're, if they're in the spiritual community as well, and bring it up to them and say, hey, so I know you're not intending to do this, but I've noticed... And if you could please just be aware of that, that mm -hmm. would be great. Okay. You know, it, there's nothing worse than bringing up an issue to someone and then their response being like, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. Or, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Right. And it's like, okay, well, have you tried shielding yourself from other people so that way we don't have to walk around with armor on all the time? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and eventually, they're going to consume that shield but they'll be exhausted. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> one, of, one of the things that I want to like kind of also along the lines once again of, of reminding our listeners that, if, that there is there should be no negative stigma around being a psychic or emotional vampire. Okay. If you are one of these people, you, you do owe yourself and everyone else around you the you you owe yourself enough to to make sure that you learn about what this is and that you master this component of your being because if you don't you're you're going to have a hard life and you're going to make situations a lot harder for the people around you 
Okay, having said that, um, I also want to say that this is really, to be honest, a lot of the time, nothing that is entirely within someone's control. Exactly. You know, um, and I've noticed over the years with some interaction of, of you know, like people within the witch community, uh, people within uh, folk, certain folk traditions, that when you drop this term, when you talk openly about things like psychic vampirism, that a lot of other pagans and practitioners are like, oh, God, get the hell away from me. Yep. You know, and I think that's really unfortunate because these are people who a lot of the time are seeking out these other spiritual practices because they really are looking to learn. They're really mm -hmm. looking like, okay, I need to figure myself out. I need to figure out what this is. I need to figure out how I work because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be, you know, in, in a negative sense, I don't want to be a drain all the time. Right. Um, you know, and so I think it's kind of unfortunate. And I, I think that, um, you know, as we're realizing that we want to kind of be a bit more uh, open in, in our alternative spiritual communities and that we, um, you know, that, that diversity is a good thing. Um, I think that we need to maybe be a little more open about people maybe, or with people who identify as psychic or emotional vampires, you know, as long as they're, as long as they're, as long as they're, they're being mindful with their energy. Yes. Right. Or, or the energy that they're feeding on. Yes. Yeah. And, and falling back on that, well, I don't know, or I'm a psychic vampire, I can't help it, or I'm an empath, mm -hmm. I can't help it. Yeah. I'm sensitive, I can't mm -hmm. help it. That's just denoting a lack of responsibility yeah. on yourself. Yep. And that tells me that if you're going to be around me, then you're going to get every ounce of barb and spike mm -hmm. you deserve. Yeah. Because yeah, if I feel you invading fair. my yeah. energy, and I've asked you several times, stop it, mm -hmm. and you're not doing it because I don't know how. Yeah. Then... I will put it, I will put you in your place. I will do it for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, that's also fair, you know, listening to people on the other side of the situation, you know, where <coughs> we're talking about how, you know, like well, there should be no stigma for people who maybe identify or find that they are a psychic vampire. But that works the other way. We also need to say, you know, if you find that you are dealing with someone who is a psychic vampire, you you also need to make sure that you are, are asserting a boundary there. Yes. You need to tell that person, you need to make it very clear, like, hey, I am I am not your buffet today. I need you to back off. I need you to respect this. I need you to respect my energy. And if you can't, uh, I'm going to find a way to make sure that you can't basically violate me mm -hmm. in this way. Um, because without consent and, you know, and, and again, looking at, at ethics, that's, that's what that in essence, that's what that is. It's a violation. That's exactly what it is. Um, most <laughs> psychic vampires I have noticed are not fans of hematite. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, I think, I think anything that would have a, like a heavier, A strong, heavy grounding. Yeah, that, those do, do seem to be good. Yeah. Talismanic, talismanic or amulet kinds of items. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you find yourself dealing with a psychic vampire and you don't want to have that conversation and you don't know how to effectively handle that situation... Gift them some hematite, or <laughs> or wear some hematite yourself. Yeah, because the minute that their little tendrils touch touch your aura, your aura is going to pull their tendril into the ground mm -hmm. with that hematite on you. Yeah. Um. I will say, in my experience with psychic vampirism in the community, I've seen some really awesome, awesome things come from it. Um, I remember one time. More, my high priestess, uh, she really, really, really hurt her back. Okay. Like, really bad. And she was having a hard time, 
And of course the coven was getting, she was going through the mundane process. And then I, you know, we all did healing work on her mm -hmm. and she was just, I just feel like the energy is stuck. I can't get it moving. It hits it and it just builds up. Mm -hmm. So we actually had one of, uh, her friends, a friend of our coven who was like, I'm a psychic vampire. I sought out training. I know how to use it. Um, actually come and do healing for her. And basically he sat with his hands on her back and I watched this guy pull this energy into him. Mm -hmm. And within, within 30 minutes of doing that and him processing it, he felt it a little bit. Okay. And he's like, oh, okay, I need to process this for a minute. But as soon as he processed that, Tammy got up and she was like, oh my God, I can move. Hmm? I can move. Yeah. And which is, we have a tendency to be very guarded and protective of our energy. No. Um, you know, the minute we feel someone poking, we're like, hey, stop it. Yeah, we're very territorial. Mine. You know, and so to have that kind of relationship with someone who is a psychic vampire and be able to go, hey, do you need a buffet today? I have fucked up back. Mm -hmm. And allow them to just go, yeah, I'll numb on that pain and okay. just have them pull it in and process it yeah. can be a really cool way to build a symbiotic relationship. Uh, okay. Is that, do you want to build a symbiotic relationship there? I would think that would probably not be a good thing long-term. Long-term, no. But building <clears> some <throat> sort of relationship there where it's like, I know you can do this, mm -hmm. so help me, um, it, it is good. Okay. They're also really, they're really good at picking up if, like, psychic attacks have been thrown. Well, yeah, because they can read energy so well. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Um, yeah, they're, yeah, they, they make, usually, usually I find they, they, they're excellent, any kind of psychic work. Yeah. Anything that involves any kind of, yeah. Well, because they're constantly like, taking in. And yeah. it's not taking in like witches do, where we're like, oh, we're taking in, we're pinging, we're feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. I'm absorbing this. This is mine. Yeah. I'm taking it here. Yeah. And it's it's intense. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah it can be. Yeah. Well, all right. Are we done with psychic vampires? I think so. I mean, unless there's any other questions or anything that you, you think would be beneficial. I can't really think of anything. You know, this was, this was a topic, as I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode, that I was a little wary about getting into just because I, I tried to be mindful of how the information that we're discussing on this podcast is going to present. Mm -hmm. You know, I do not want any of our listeners or people who, who stumble upon our podcast to think that we uh, don't have a clear line between fiction and and legitimate spiritual practice so um uh, anyway so no i think i think i'm i'm, I'm feeling pretty good and let me uh, I, i'm trying to find <laughs> the name of that documentary that had okay. michelle ba Ballanger in it oh all right um well and and since you volunteered uh you know uh michelle Ballanger as a, as a reference so sh they excuse me they oh geez they Oh boy, we're struggling with our pronouns today. They uh, wrote the Psychic Vampire Codex, yes. right? What was the other one? The uh, Energy Workers Codex um, or the Energy Codex? The Energy Codex, I think. Okay, all right. Okay, the Energy Codex actually, I think, would be a, a nice one for pretty much any kind of spiritual practitioner to, to yes to look at because it's going to have a lot of really good information about energetic exchange. 
the way patterns of energy work, um, I could see that actually being a, a resource for a lot of different types of practitioners. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, oh God, I can't find it. I'm looking at Michelle Belanger's IMBD. Oh, okay. Well, we're, we, we've got dead air here. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Um, it's called, I do believe it's Vampires, V-A-M-P-Y-R-E-S. Okay. Uh, it's a documentary from 2007. Okay. Um, also, The Secret Life of Vampires, which is a documentary from 2005. And then Michelle Belanger is also on The Real Vampire Files, which was in 2010. And then, of course, Portals to Hell. Okay. So, there you go. Hopefully that'll give you some information there, but yeah, Michelle Belanger, awesome, awesome psychic, amazing. Oof. Oof. Okay, all right. Let's let's switch gears. So I know that you had um, something that you wanted to kind of talk about. We were, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of like what we're loving and hating uh-huh. about our community right now, and you were kind of sharing with me a, a, a bit earlier about something that you're really loving right now. Yeah. So what, what, what is that? What are, you, what are you enjoying about our community? I'm enjoying that there is so, so many people who are wanting to learn. And not just wanting to learn, but they're wanting to learn the right stuff that's not just floating around social media. It's been really, really awesome. I had the, I had the opportunity tonight um, to, with some very loyal customers um, and students of mine, yeah. to kind of do like a private little workshop. And, and it was really nice because I got to do a brief little, okay, so this is what this does. This is what we're doing. And it was a really quick class. And then we constructed it together. And it was really nice to see that these individuals who each are along their own path in their own way, who are learning and growing and are taking so many classes to just see like, wow, this is like, like I'm doing it. And seeing the growth, you know, I have another student who actually found me through the podcast, um, and they, they're having the same experience. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that they're, they're wanting to get down to the nitty gritty, down to the dirty of, um, of witchcraft and their practice and growth and that they're willing to put aside like everything they've heard on TikTok or Instagram or Pinterest and listen and learn you know i love that all the misinformation that's floating around out there is coming to a head and we're just kind of like cool so are you going to listen to the real like legitimate practitioners or are you going to listen to the person who just has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of followers who can't decide one day or another if they're a norse pagan or a hellenic pagan or a traditional witch or a wiccan mm-hmm. so it's it's really pretty nice that people are starting to open their eyes and think a little bit more critically for themselves. Okay. Cool. How about you? What are you loving or hating? Um, you know, one thing that I'm loving right now, and this is going to sound, uh, this is going to sound odd coming from me actually. Uh, but one of the things that I'm loving right now is this rebound that we're seeing on the whole closed practice okay. debate. Because I'm noticing more and more that a lot of people, and I and let me please let me let me explain what I mean by this, okay? Because you know me, I am I am, am a proud gatekeeper, and Same. and I am absolutely yes, closed practices are legit, closed practices they are, are a, a real thing. thing. But 
or I shouldn't say but, I should say and. Um, but I've, I've noticed that um, recently there's been a lot of people that are like, I, I think people are just so sick of the debate, you yep. know, and they're sick of the this thing now where everything has to be closed. You know, everybody out there feels like I a sense of ownership or everybody out there wants to claim something based on, you know, personal history, cultural association, all these things, you know. And again, to be clear, a lot of that is legit. A lot of that stuff culturally, a lot of that stuff is closed. Absolutely. But, I mean, but ridiculous things, you know, like... Um, like Reiki. like Reiki being a closed practice and, you know, and like lemons being a part of a closed practice. Oh, oh you know what Honey being a closed practice. Eggs. And yes, eggs. Yes. Yes, yeah. eggs recently. I yes, just... using eggs in your spiritual work is a part of a closed practice. Yes, and you here's know. the thing. Something can be part of a closed practice mm -hmm. that requires initiation and invitation via elders, yeah. but that doesn't mean that the thing itself is closed. Yeah. You know, the prayers of cleansing that are used around egg cleansings can be closed. Mm -hmm. Those can be personal to the practitioner, their family, and their 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 practice. But the egg cleansing itself is not closed. Yeah. But I'm I'm enjoying um that we're seeing people that are like, I I'm so tired of having this debate again. I'm so tired of once again having to try to justify and explain why this is and or isn't closed. Um you know, and I don't know. For, uh, the reason I'm happy about this is that it, it seems to be opening up some additional communication amongst different types of practitioners around what this really means, what the nature of a closed practice is, you know, what that really is, you know, and why we need to stop being so ridiculous mm -hmm. about these things that are supposedly closed practices. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it diminishes real closed practices when we take something as simple as a lemon mm -hmm. and say, no, using lemons in your, in your practice is closed. Yeah. Lemons, if it grows, lemons grow pretty much anywhere. Maybe anywhere where there's enough humidity and heat. Yeah. Yeah. You can grow a lemon tree inside your house in a pot. Yeah. You know, that's not closed. It's not something you that's not closed mm -hmm. well i mean the way that you would incorporate that into particular practices though again could be could be yeah uh, but yes the lemons in and of themselves are not closed um so okay yeah i I'm, I'm liking this though because i I've, I've seen some people who through interaction at one point these people were like vehemently like closed practice like you can't do this you can't do this you know um and you know and there's i think there's a part of me that's like you know th there's nothing wrong with saying that somebody can't do something but if you're gonna do that you need to probably back that up yeah you know like you need to then explain why you know mm -hmm. um and i think that's that's where we we run into some tricky territory in our community because we we always find ourselves struggling with that that line mm -hmm. right like how much do i owe you by way of explanation how much am I allowed to share with you based on the knowledge I have and, and whether or not this might legitimately be a closed kind of a thing. Or if you're oath bound. You know, exactly, or you're oath bound. Or, you know, or, or kind of like, again, that, that balance behind like, you know, like how much am I willing to share as opposed to how much am I going to probably tell you like, hey, you know, maybe it's time for you to start doing some of your own research. Yeah. You know, because again, because like I say, sometimes that's a, tr that's a tricky place for us with our spiritual practices and the, the way that we share information. Mm -hmm. So, um... Well, and yeah. I, I think a lot of that comes from 
individuals who like to spout off a lot of stuff, but can never actually like back it up. You know, I was, I, I saw someone claiming that Pegasus is a god. Oh, people will say the most ridiculous things. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, what? And so I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just messed up on my mythology. Mm-mm. So no, you're I, not. I went and I did a Google search and according to Google, um, Pegasus is the offspring of Poseidon and Medusa. And Medusa was a mortal woman. Well, that's, I mean, that's one... That's one origin story, you know, but even then Medusa was a mortal woman. Medusa was not a god. Medusa was a priestess. Mm I don't think she was a priestess. I think she was a maiden. I think she was like a handmaiden or something. No, she was, she was in one of the stories. She was, uh, as she was a priestess of Athena and it was actually like, that's, that's how she came to be basically a Gorgon is Athena cursed her. Yeah. Because Poseidon raped her. Yeah. Because yes, even the gods are, are victim blamers. Yes. And petty. Uh, Yeah. So, and I was just like. And all these people are like, I've been talking to Pegasus since I was three. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh my I think god. maybe they were talking about like My Little Pony or something. My Little Pony, My Little Pony. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway. Back on the topic of closed practices briefly though. Like, I've noticed that the people that seem to be the most outspoken are usually the people that actually have the least right to claim that practice. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people who are legit, who are actually initiated and have a right to be there, most of the time, they don't really speak about it at all. Yeah. They're just kind of like, I don't need to address this because the spirits of the tradition will take care of you fools for me. Yep. And yeah, so I've noticed that, though. It always seems like these, like, uptight, pretentious, like, like white savior spiritual warriors who are like you can't do that because and it's like are you a part of this practice because if you're not shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. i don't want to hear from you you know um and more and more i think that's kind of the approach i'm taking like i've even i've even had that interaction with um a few people in the last couple of years and again this is going to probably paint me as maybe maybe not a very nice person and and i am a nice person people who know me know that i'm a nice person um but but i've had some interaction um with um like uh, black and people of color, mm-hmm. particularly around the topic of uh, like the the closed status of like voodoo, hoodoo, these kinds of practices. And more often than not, when I actually press those people on that situation, they have less access to those spiritual practices, or I, I would say not less. They they uh, they have about as much right to those spiritual practices as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, what I mean by that is that I've had interactions with, uh, you know, people of color. And please don't get me wrong. In no way am I trying to sound like a dick toward black or people, people of color. You know, we, we love everybody. But, um, you know, but that is, those those are communities that, that are, are often very outspoken when it comes to like, hey, like you can't practice voodoo because you're white. Mm-hmm. You know, and, or hoodoo because you're white. You know, and, you know, and to those people when you, when I, I, I have an opportunity to kind of discuss, because that's my first impulse. My first impulse is always like, well, let's sit down and let's talk about this. You know, I'm not trying to change your mind. Mm-hmm. I just like, like, let's talk about this. Let's look at some of the information here, you know? Um, and usually these are people that are like, they, they grew up like evangelical Christian, 
you know, and they're evangelical Christian probably like generations back, mm -hmm. you know, and I realize historically at some point their family probably like the Christianity was probably forced on them. Yeah. I understand that. But in this era, they are now probably several generations in where their family is now actively choosing Christianity. Yep. Right. And so there's a part of me that's like, well, you don't really have much of a voice in this argument either at this point, because if we're talking about just the spiritual practice and who is or isn't allowed in... What? Like you're, you're a Christian, you know? And so, like I said, so, and I know that that, that, that's a, that's a very, uh, a very, um, hot, hot button issue for a lot of people. Well, and I'm not trying to pick a fight. Um, well, if, we, if we sit with that for a minute, okay. Um, if you sit with an actual mumbo, mm -hmm. if you can find a real one. Yeah, like someone who is legitimately response, initiated in and these even, practices. Not even a mambo, but someone who is actually like initiated in voodoo, they're going to tell you it's not up to the color of your skin, it's up to the spirits. Yeah. You know, um, I've I've had that conversation more times than I can think of because I've sat down with mambos. I've sat down with babalaos because I trust them to do readings. And mm -hmm. I sit down and they bring up like, oh, these spirits are around you. Why aren't you yeah. pursuing it? And I have to tell them, like, well, because I'm white. And they're like, honey, the, 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 spirits, the spirits have chose to, chosen you. That's not, that's not how this works. They obviously look, they, they, they see you for who you are. They don't see you for what you're in. Yeah. And well, this, this is something, though, that I mean, if we go back, you know, historically. And, and I, I, I will say I've never met a, met a white mambo. Well, no, but we, but there are, you know, there are, this, this is something, you know, like, you know, this isn't really something that is purely focused around like race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. You know, this also is something that has a lot to do with, I mean, there, there in years past, there have been uh, facets of uh, the witchcraft community, like, you know, like you couldn't be a part of this tradition because you were a gay man mm -hmm. or we don't allow trans women to join our covens because uh. we're Dianic Wiccans and only real women allowed. You know, and that, that kind of bullshit, oh, that kind of bullshit. Well, and she ruined her, her, her reputation in the witchcraft community because she took such a turf stand on trans people. Oh being yeah. A part of her, uh, she, the Dianic witch, she Wicca movement. She destroyed herself. At, I yeah. think it was like pagan con. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Back. It was like a very public immolation or self immolation. Yeah. It was like, this is how you go down. Okay. Um, you did this to yourself. So, yeah, so, I mean, this is one of these things, though, but again, get, to get back to my point, because, I mean, we're, we've tangented quite a bit here, but, um, you know, but I, to, again, to kind of say, like, I'm, I'm happy to see that, once again, we're, we're having uh, calmer, more educated kinds of, kinds of conversations around these, these kinds of things, because these, these will continue to be, I think, issues in our community. Um, is there anything that you're not happy with in the witchcraft community right now? Dead air. Spiritual bypassing is still coming up. Uh, I don't think that we can get away from that, really. I'm, that's, a, that's a thing that happens. Okay. This, this is something that happens, I think, even in the lives and practices of the most... You know, uh, the most knowledgeable and experienced practitioners, practitioners I know, including myself. You know, to throw myself out there. 
there are moments where I I have found myself guilty of spiritual bypass. Well, and yes, every not, not in, has. Not in the way that a light worker or a new ager would, but like we we had a situation just today in the shop where it's like, okay, you're you're gonna go the route of handling this magically. You know, like you want to work a spell around this, which is absolutely fine. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that, right? When you could probably accomplish the same thing by just having, having like sitting down and having a conversation, yeah. you know, and letting this person know like, mm -mm, no, this isn't working, you know, and, you know, and I'm not trying to be judgmental in that situation because, you know, ultimately, however they handle it is just that it's how they handle it. But, um, you know, but there's a part of me that I'm like, that's, that's also spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. Like you're going the energetic, the spiritual, the magical route when this is something that can mm -hmm. very easily be handled. Mm -hmm. I think, I think sometimes too, um, in witchcraft, when we're when when people go straight to magic instead of mundane mm -hmm. or things like that, I think part of it's because they want to see if it's gonna work. Uh, no, I think there's a part of them that's still like struggling with, you know, I've seen these things work for me, but what's gonna happen if I do this on someone else? Gotcha. You know, I'm like, you know, okay, you're seeking some sort of valid external validation in your craft that's not from someone else, but it's from from a result of a spell you're doing. Mm -hmm. All right. But sometimes the most effective spell is just spoken. It's just sitting down and being like, hey, so I really want pizza tonight. And I was going to do a spell to like... To materialize pizza? No, I was going to do a spell to make everyone else want pizza so that ah. I wasn't the only one. Okay. But I figured I'd just sit down and let you know like, I'm going to order pizza. If you're going to chip in, what pizza do you want? Okay. All right. And having a... that conversation. Well, that's that's what it feels like sometimes. It's something as mundane as like that. And it's like, yeah. I'm going to throw a spell at it. And it's like, okay. or you could just do it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I guess, you know, when it comes down to it, if we're being honest, you know, we're do all... Both. We're all, well, exactly. Do both, right? And then you, you know, we always tell people like, be holistic in your approach to these things, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I guess you know, if we're, if we're again, since we're being honest about it, you know, like we all, we all have our moments of spiritual bypass. Oh yes. You know, in different ways. Although I think as witches, as I was saying a moment ago, I think that we tend to do that a bit differently yes. than New Agers do. Like New Agers have this very like, I just, I just don't want to have to deal with anything. It's all just high vibes and love and light. Yeah. Like I don't actually want to have you know, to deal with and, the fact that I have trauma from my my childhood so i'm just gonna yeah. love and light it away yeah whereas witches are more like i don't want to have to deal with that like situation magic for everything and yeah i don't so. want to have to deal with that situation that potential discomfort so if i can make it solve itself i'm gonna go there yeah yeah hmm. okay which again i can appreciate because we've all been there i've done oh, it yeah you've oh, done yeah. it everyone's done it yes for for however much we might like to think of ourselves as powerful badass witches at the end of the day we're all still human yes yep all right hmm. well i think we have an episode i think we do too all right well all right to our listeners thank you so much for for kind of uh writing along with us there particularly toward the end where we started to kind of meander a little bit um if you have suggestions for topics for future episodes please contact us you can reach us on instagram um and for those of you who still use it facebook um, if you have follow-up questions on tonight's uh, episode, yep, contact or us. any other, yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we will be back next week with uh, another new episode. So cool. Have a good night.
or day. Bye.